0: Thank you for being here this evening. Uh, probably more than any other subject that we address, uh, I do. I want to say thank you for uh, the courage and character uh, represented. Uh, because oftentimes, when it comes to the subject uh, of trauma, uh, really all trauma asks of us is to hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil. Uh, just, just pretend like it doesn't exist. Uh, so that we can go on and keep living uh, in some ways our um, what might be perceived as as naive lives where uh, everything is safe and everything is okay and awful things don't happen and people don't experience uh, catastrophes. Uh, And so coming, uh, whether you are here for yourself or whether you're here for a friend, uh, is a sign of courage. Uh, it is something that is admirable, uh, that is commendable. Uh, I appreciate you doing that. Uh, it may not feel like courage, uh, but courage is not, uh, it's not the absence of fear. Uh, it's facing our fears wisely. Uh, and Judith Herman is somebody that we'll hear from several times uh, over the course of the evening. Um, but she says, uh, often it is necessary to reframe accepting help as an act of courage. Acknowledging the reality of one's condition and taking steps to change it uh, become a sign of strength, not weakness, of initiative, not passivity. Uh, Taking action to foster recovery, far from granting victory to the abuser, empowers the survivor. Uh, As we get started, uh, I just want to define what we mean by trauma. Uh, We'll define it a bit more as we go along, uh, but our kind of beginning working definition of trauma is facing something more than we are prepared to deal with at the time that we have to go through it. Uh, and because of it being more than we're prepared to deal with then emotionally and mentally and spiritually, uh, it disrupts our life uh, in, order to, uh, in order to process what it is uh, that we went through. And so we ask the question, what are some of the kinds of events uh, that might be uh, considered traumatic? Well, maybe the classic example would be uh, the soldier in war conditions, um, but something that's increasingly becoming noted is uh, the experience of various forms of abuse, uh, whether that be physical, emotional, or sexual, uh, natural disasters, uh, maybe the uh, having your home burn, uh, comparable events, being an EMT, uh, or maybe a a NICU nurse who is forever at that moment where somebody is fighting for death and seeing, seeing family members around that situation. Or a law enforcement officer uh, who's coming up on uh, traffic accidents or is interrupting uh, acts of violence between people and just on a regular basis, they're seeing some of the stronger uh, carnage uh, that the, the human race can create. Or maybe it's uh, a child who... Um, for whatever misguided reason, their parents' form of discipline is something like, I can't handle anymore. They pull off and they just leave them at a spot for a period of time and say, I can't take it, and they pull off, and the child is wondering, is anybody going to come back for me? Any of those types of things that would be more than we were prepared to handle at the time that we went through it um, could be uh, considered traumatic. Uh, now, as we go through this material, uh, my advice to you uh, is to take as many breaks as necessary. Uh, and, and so if, as we go through this material, you get to a point and you realize, ah, I'm just kind of pain-saturated. I've had all of the talk of trauma that I want for tonight. Please feel free to excuse yourself. Uh, you can just walk out. Uh, people think you're going to the restroom. That's fine. Uh, if you're on the video, uh, when you get to the point where you've said, I've, I've had all of this that, that is good for me right now, just push pause. Uh, and then mark down the the time marker on that particular video segment, and and come back to it when you're ready. Um, Because one of the things about trauma is we don't get a voice during the experience of trauma. Uh, We don't get to say when we've had enough. That's part of what makes it traumatic. In recovery from trauma, you do get a voice. You do get to say when you've had enough, and you can come back when it is good for you uh, and when you're ready. Now, in terms of some, just some general advice on going through this material, uh, go through it in small bits. Again, stop when you need to. Uh, if you're going through, uh, what you have here, if you're with a live audience, is a, a listening guide. If you go through the larger notebook, uh, write down your thoughts. If you don't write down your thoughts, you're going to be juggling them in your head, trying to remember them, and that just exacerbates some of the hypervigilance tendencies that can be there with trauma. Uh, Write them down so you don't have to rely on mental repetition uh, to get those. Uh, And my advice would be not to go through this material at night, close to the time when you're getting ready uh, to go to bed. Now, if you ask the question, uh, where are we going? Uh, What I want to try to do is overview Uh, This material for you, because one of my objectives is as much as possible to minimize surprises. I want you to have a feel for what we're going to talk about and when and and how the pieces fit together. And and we're going to talk about um, kind of a journey through trauma uh, in nine steps, and we'll be organizing those nine steps into three stages. And Judith Herman gives us a feel for that. She says, recovery unfolds in three stages. The central task of the first stage is the establishment of safety. The central task of the second stage is remembrance and mourning. The central task of the third stage is reconnection with ordinary life. Uh, Like any abstract concept, the stages of recovery are a convenient fiction, uh, not to be taken too literally. They're an attempt to impose simplicity and order on a process that is inherently turbulent uh, and complex. That means trauma won't play by the rules uh, that we lay out for it, uh, but I still think there's helpful, helpfulness to this overall pattern. Uh, and so in the first stage, when we're looking at uh, establishing an environment of safety, that will be our first three steps. And the first of those is to prepare yourself physically, emotionally, and spiritually uh, for the journey ahead. That's just to put yourself in a good place uh, to face the kind of challenges that processing trauma presents. Uh, And then we'll look at acknowledging the specific history and realness of your suffering. Uh, And that's where we learn uh, to feel safe remembering very unsafe things. Uh, From there, uh, we'll go to understand uh, the impact of suffering. You know, why is it that something from my past has such an impact on the present? Um, And what kind of factors contribute to that? Uh, And then we'll hit that middle section, where we go into stage two of our material, uh, where we try to disempower the memory. Uh, And when we come to learning my suffering story, uh, the big idea here uh, is that we attach a lot of destructive messages uh, to our experiences of suffering. Uh, As people, one of the things that we do with everything in our life is we try to make meaning of it. I mean, if you've ever been around a small child who's around ages two or three, you know they, they always ask the question, why? 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 We, we want to know why. It's just inherently human. And, and after a trauma, oftentimes the why that we put around those events becomes something that adds to uh, the impact of the trauma. Uh, then we want to mourn the wrongness of what happened. Uh, without that destructive suffering story attached to it, Uh, then we'll look at how do we begin to learn a gospel story that gives us a way uh, of making sense of life, that doesn't make all the sad things come untrue, uh, that doesn't necessarily even make us say, ah, this was worth it, but in a way that allows us uh, to have a healthy sense of self, to relate to God and others and our ambitions, uh, in a way that is fruitful and productive. And then we'll hit phase three uh, where we try to reconnect with life and relationships. Uh, and we'll identify some goals uh, that help us combat uh, some of the areas of impact that trauma has so that we feel like we have a sense of voice and a way to uh, have some impact on the things that have happened to us. Uh, we'll look at what it is to persevere in that. Uh, and and how, do we, um, how do we begin to pursue what is healthy? Uh, because trauma... Trauma is sensational. Uh, Trauma is huge in the worst sense of the word. Healthy healthy is kind of normal. Healthy is anticlimactic in light of trauma. And how do we how do we settle in to enjoy that? And then how do we steward all of our life for the glory of God? Uh, oftentimes, in the act of overcoming, we can become so focused on the struggle that we are trying to overcome that our life gets built around that. How do we begin to make our life about the things that, that we love and God designed for us to do uh, so that the act of overcoming doesn't make trauma as central to our life as it was when we didn't know what to do with it? Uh, now, now you may say, but life isn't this neat uh, how are we going to make it play by these rules where we can go through these nine steps? Uh, and as Judith Herman said, we won't. Uh, but I still think there's value to seeing that process. Because if if it's a point where you're maybe you're at that stage of what's being asked of you is to reconnect with life and relationships, and, and you just recognize, I haven't taken some of those initial steps yet. I, I haven't accomplished those things. Then then that step seven activity is going to be harder than it should be. Not because there's anything wrong with you. Uh, Not because you're not trying hard enough. Simply because there's some preliminary things that would make it easier if we were here. And just seeing where I'm at on my journey and what's being asked of me in this moment helps me give myself a little more grace if what is being asked of me is not where I'm at. You may look at this and go, I can't do all of this. This is overwhelming to me. This is a map. The map doesn't mean we have to take the whole journey right now. It simply gives us an idea of where we're going. And so in that sense, it might, your experience might be like me. Uh, when I get one of those prefab pieces of furniture, my wife goes to the store, she brings it home, and I get the big box out, and there's all of these pieces and the directions, and, and I immediately feel overwhelmed as if this entire project has to be done in 15 minutes. And I don't know why, but I think my wife has got to stop watching. She says, go, and I've got to do all of this really fast. It's just a map. If I get about halfway through and I get hungry, I can go fix a sandwich. Again, what we've said, we can take as many breaks on this journey as we need to. Uh, What we have here uh, is a map. And so if we ask, where do I begin? Uh, We begin not by overcoming, uh, but by preparing. Uh, And I want to give you several areas of preparation uh, that I think are important and helpful. And one of those uh, is just uh, establishing a home base. You know, what are those things that we do to establish an environment of safety? Uh, well, One of those, we want home to be a place where our day begins and ends with a sense of predictability and stability. Uh, again, in the larger notebook, I give you several things that you can do, but just getting up at an hour uh, where you don't start the day rushed, uh, and you give yourself time uh, to get ready. Um, having good routines throughout your day uh, so that it doesn't feel like you're guessing and rushing through things, Uh, avoiding violent entertainment. Uh, When you're kind of trauma-saturated, you don't need to add anything to that. Um, Anything that you can do uh, to make the home that you're in uh, be a place that feels more stable and predictable, uh, that's part of establishing an environment of safety. A second part is caring for your body, because uh, your body is kind of a home for your mind. Uh, and caring for your body well is an important part uh, of establishing an environment of safety in which to process trauma. Uh, it's going to uh, increase your ability to withstand stress. Uh, it's going to give you greater endurance. Uh, and it's, it's also going to begin to reinforce that idea that you can make choices that matter. Uh, and so here, just a, a few things that would be in play. Uh, sleep. Uh, as much as you can, establishing a rather regular rhythm of sleep, um, and, because that, that's the rhythm of life. You know, if we have about seven or eight hours when we're asleep, and then we're functioning for 16, 17 hours throughout the day, and we get that sense of rhythm, our, uh, we're just going to be mentally and emotionally stronger uh, when that can happen. If you say that's really difficult... Uh, talking with a physician about a sleep aid uh, that could help you with that would not at all be a bad thing. Uh, Diet. Uh, This is not about losing weight, uh, but the way that our body feels uh, helps us determine whether we feel like we're in a safe place or not. Uh, When our body just doesn't feel right, uh, then, uh, then we don't feel safe. And if we're trying to establish an environment of safety, that becomes really important. So things like avoiding an excessive amount of caffeine. Um, Again, we're going to talk about the symptom of hypervigilance and and how we're on guard and kind of fidgety a lot. Uh, If caffeine exacerbates that, that's probably something that we should avoid. Uh, Taking a vitamin C booster just to help with your immune system. Because when the body's under stress, uh, one of the places that it pulls from Uh, is the immune system. If you just feel like, I I don't have an appetite at all, then just eating some small meals throughout the day so that your body has the the resources that it needs uh, to to withstand the physical uh, stress that is trauma uh, is important. Uh, Another area is exercise. Uh, Particularly uh, cardiovascular exercise. Uh, is really good for countering uh, the physical impact of the experience of trauma. Uh, Diane Langberg, uh, she speaks of um, a lady who uh, was abused, and she says uh, she may need some practical suggestions uh, for how to manage anxiety and depression. Uh, Few people know that a regular program of exercise can be beneficial for both of these. Exercise can sometimes help lift depression physiologically and reduce anxiety as well. Entering into an exercise program is often the first experience an individual has of assuming control over her own body. And again, one of the things that we're looking for is just, just this idea that I can make choices that matter. I can impact my life in a significant way because when trauma hits, one of the universal experiences of trauma is powerlessness. I don't feel like there's anything I can do to make a difference in what's going on around me. And so I kind of emotionally give up. And then beginning to see that I can make these incremental choices that matter are really important. Uh, Relaxation breaks. uh, Just being able to say when I've had enough. Uh, when I need to take a few minutes just to rest, uh, is an important part of giving yourself a voice, uh, of just doing the basics of self-care in a way that uh, that honors you. Uh, Another aspect of establishing an environment of safety uh, is community. Is having some people around you uh, who know and care and understand when we go through a trauma, oftentimes one of the last things that we want to do is talk about it. But when we don't talk about it, we're completely alone with it. And one of the things that we ask is just, how do I talk about this? What do I say? And I hope that's one of the values of a resource like this, is it gives us something that, that you could go to a friend and say, hey, I've been through some pretty tough things. And there's this seminar that, that I saw, and it, it kind of helped me talk through it. Could, could you go through this with me and just kind of be an encouragement to me as we go through this so that I felt like somebody else understood what I was going through? Uh, that's one of our goals here. And now, Tim Lane, he says, uh, you will want someone who allows you to be honest about your struggles and makes you feel safe at the same time. If you are not careful, you begin uh, the process memories with someone uh, who's not skilled enough, and it could make things worse. Uh, So I encourage you here to make a couple of lists of just who are the people that I think might be good for me to begin to reach out to and talk to, and and, and who, yeah they're really nice people, but I'm just not sure that would be their role in my life right now. Uh, And I give you some criteria. um, How would I know? Uh, if you're here in the helper role, and you would say, if I was wanting to come alongside of somebody, uh, those criteria would, might be like your job description. Uh, another aspect of establishing an environment of safety uh, might be medication. Uh, now, uh, nobody thinks uh, that post-traumatic stress is caused by a chemical imbalance. Um, it Post-traumatic stress, just by virtue of its name, post-trauma, is clearly triggered by an event. But that doesn't mean uh, that medication can't be helpful uh, at alleviating some symptoms. Uh, And so talking with a physician and saying, hey, here's what I'm going through. Hopefully the language that you get from this material allows you to to speak a little more clearly with them and go through some options of of what might be uh, most helpful for you. And then a fifth part of establishing an environment of safety uh, is having good expectations for yourself. Uh, because if you don't have healthy and good expectations, you might be a bad friend to you. Uh, we can always beat ourselves up really well, can we not? And so we ask the question, what, what would be good expectations uh, of ourselves as we get ready to process a traumatic experience? I can expect to have good days and bad days. I can expect the early stages to be the most difficult. Uh, This is one of those areas that when we begin to engage with it, it often does get worse before it gets better. We can expect that we will need to take breaks. Uh, That's not just a nice thing that I say. It's something that I would really encourage you. When you get to the point where you say, I've just had enough, and we'll help you figure out when that is in just a moment, take some time away from this material. You can expect to just wish the entire process would move a little faster. Maybe more than a little faster. Maybe you just wish it would move a lot faster. Um, You can expect that you won't notice growth until you're surprised by how much you've grown. It's kind of like with kids. Uh, You know, you see a kid that you haven't seen in a while, oh my goodness, how much you've grown! And they don't recognize it because they've been looking at themselves in the mirror every day. But you haven't seen them in three months, and it looks like they shot up like a weed. Uh, when we are going through the process of trauma, uh, oftentimes we're like that teenager, day by day, looking at ourselves in the mirror, and then we get to a point later, and we're like, "Wow, two months ago, I couldn't. This would have totally tore me apart. But, but I'm handling it better than I thought I would now." Um, you can expect to frequently wonder if it's worth it. Um, it, you can expect to learn uh, that by God's grace, you're stronger than you ever imagined. Um, but at the same time, you can expect to learn to cherish that you don't always have to be strong. Um, and, and maybe the, the most hopeful of these uh, is that you can expect that life will get better and that trauma does not get the last word. Um and that's kind of an important part of where we're going, that trauma doesn't get the last word on our life. Now, if you might say, when do I, when do I know that I need to take a break? Um, you know, One would be, uh, your pattern of sleep is disrupted for a few days in a row. Uh, if I'm honest with you, I can tell you when this seminar is done, I need to step away from this subject for a while. Uh, the last week has not been good for me. I can tell I have indulged in this material enough that it's starting to mess with my ability to sleep uh, in terms of nightmares and sleeplessness and that kind of thing. And, and I personally need to take a break from this material when this is done because it's just heavy. Um, frequency of symptoms like nightmares and flashbacks uh, are increasing. Uh, you're pulling away from relationships. Uh, if you feel that tendency to isolate, take a break from the material to connect with the safe people in your support network. Uh, persistent physical symptoms Uh, might be irritable bowel, uh, migraines, jaw clenching, things of that nature where you go, I can just tell physically I am tight enough, I need to take a break from this. Or I feel hopeless enough that that I might be considering suicide. Um, You know, all of those things would be indicators uh, that let me take a break and I'll come back to this material uh, when I've reestablished my sense of safety uh, and, and I'm in a better place to engage healthfully. Now, as we wrap up step one, uh, here's the encouragement that I would want to give you. Uh, what you're doing is good. And if I'm going to engage with something that may be the hardest thing that I've ever done, I, I want it to be worthwhile. Uh, and so this is this is hard, but it's good. Uh, take it at a reasonable pace. You'll notice at the bottom of that page, uh, there's an encouragement focus. Uh, This is something where if you've got uh, somebody that you're walking through this material with, it's just meant to give them a way that they can ask you some instructed, kind of guided questions from this material and be a point of uh, encouragement and support for you. uh, And a place where you can begin to uh, share some of the aspects of your story uh, that would help them get to know you better.